Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Metro Inc. 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded, and if you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Sharon Kadosh. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our comments will focus on the financial results of our first quarter, which ended December 19, 2020. With me today is Mr. Eric Laflèche, President and Chief Executive Officer, and François Thibault, Executive VP and Chief Financial Officer. During the call, we will present our first quarter results and comment on its highlights. We will then be happy to take your questions. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that we will use in today's discussion different statements that could be construed as forward-looking information. In general, any statement which does not constitute a historical fact may be deemed as a forward-looking statement. Expressions such as expect, intend, are confident that, will, and other similar expressions are generally indicative of forward-looking statements. The forward-looking statements are based upon certain assumptions regarding the Canadian food and pharmaceutical industries the general economy and our annual budget, as well as our 2020-2021 action plan. These forward-looking statements do not provide any guarantees as to the future performance of the company and are subject to potential risks, known and unknown, as well as uncertainties that could cause the outcome to differ materially. A description of these risks, which could have an impact on these statements, could be found under the risk management section of our 2020 annual report. As with the preceding risk, the COVID-19 pandemic constitutes a risk that could have an impact on the business, operations, projects, synergies, and performance of the company. We believe these statements to be reasonable and pertinent at this time and represent our expectations. The company does not intend to update any forward-looking information except as required by applicable law. I will now turn the call over to Francois Thibault. Thank you, Sharon, and good afternoon to all. Uh, my best wishes for 2021, and I hope everybody in the line is in good health. Um, our first quarter sales totaled $4.3 billion versus $4 billion last year. That's an increase of 6.2%. Food same-source sales grew by 10% versus the first quarter of last year, and pharma same-source sales grew by 1.3%. As we indicated on a previous call, our pharmacy results were negatively impacted by the labor conflict at our Jean Coutu Distribution Center which ended on November 12th, with operations resuming on November 15. The conflict impacted our results through a combination of lower warehouse sales to pharmacies with the related uh, margin impact and higher operating costs, mostly transportation. We have not adjusted our earnings for the labor conflict. Our gross margins stood at 19.7% of sales versus 19.6% for the same quarter last year. Our food business continued to post good margin performance but the total margin was dampened by the impact of, labor, of the labor conflict in our farmer business. Operating expenses as a percentage of sales came in at 10.4% versus last year's 
or 10.4% when adjusting for the 7.5 million loss incurred from the disposal of our subsidiary MISFRESH. There was overall good cost containment considering the additional expenses incurred as part of, as part of the labor conflict at Jean Coutu, as well as the COVID-19 related expenses. During the quarter, there were 28 million of pandemic expenses, including about 8 million related to the distribution of thank you gift cards to our store and distribution center employees in December. Our adjusted EBITDA for the quarter stood at 399.2 million, that's up 28.6 million or 7.7%, and the adjusted EBITDA as a percent of sales was 9.3% versus 9.2% last year. Adjusted net earnings were 197.7 million compared to 180.9 million last year, an increase of 9.3%. Our adjusted net earnings per share were 79 cents, up 11.3% versus last year's adjusted EPS of 71 cents. We estimate that the labor conflict at our Jean Coutu Distribution Center accounted for a negative impact of 5 cents per share. Our capital expenditures for the first quarter totaled close to 90 million with the bulk of the investments going to our distribution center projects. At retail level, we relocated one store and carried out major renovations in four stores, representing a net increase of 18,000 square feet, or 0.1% of our food retail network. Also, following the end of the quarter, we opened a new Adonis store in the city of Quebec, and that happened on January 21st. This opening brings a total of Adonis stores now to 15, with 11 in Quebec and four in Ontario. We are also progressing well with our in-store technology rollout. We currently have 228 stores with self-checkout technology and 101 stores with electronic shelf tags. And we plan to have more than 330 stores with self-checkout and more than 200 with electronic shelf tags by the end of this fiscal year. Under our current normal course issue bid program, we have repurchased between November 25th and January 15th of this year, 1.7 million shares for a total consideration of $102.2 million, representing an average share price of $58.39. Finally, the Board of Directors yesterday approved a quarterly dividend of $0.25 cents a share, representing an increase of 11.1% versus last year's quarterly dividend. This represents a payout ratio of 30% in line with our dividend policy of distributing between 30 to 40% of the previous year's adjusted net earnings. That's it for me. I will now turn it over to Eric. Thank you, Francois, and good afternoon, everyone. We are pleased with our first quarter results, delivering continued double-digit food sales growth with good operating leverage while working through an eight-week labor conflict at our Jean Coutu distribution center. Overall, top line grew by 6.2%, adjusted EBITDA by 7.7%, and adjusted EPS by 11.3%. Our teams have worked tirelessly and have shown great resilience since the beginning of the pandemic to serve our communities safely. And I want to again recognize their hard work. Food same store sales were up 10% in the quarter, despite some sales shifting to the second quarter given our December 19 quarter end date this year. Both conventional and discount performed well in Quebec and Ontario as we continue to gain market share. Our internal food basket inflation was 2.5%, slightly below than the previous quarter. Traffic trends improved, but remained significantly below a year ago. The larger basket size, again, more than offset the decrease in transactions. Strong sales have continued in the second quarter, and for the first four weeks, our comp sales are up a strong 12%. 
We were also pleased with our sales during the holiday period. Pharmacy comparable sales were up 1.3 for the quarter, with prescription drugs up 4% and front-end sales down 3.8%, due mainly to lower traffic, a much milder cold and flu season, and the reduced promotional activity because of the labor conflict. Warehouse sales to our franchisees were also down and operating costs increased versus last year because of the labor conflict. In the middle of the pandemic, our management team did a great job to operate the DC with about one quarter of the normal staff and to implement our contingency plan to secure the supply of drugs to more than 400 pharmacies, which was the priority. We are now back to normal operating conditions after a few weeks to gradually ramp up inventories and promotional activity. However, new government restrictions on the sale of non-essential goods have been in place since December 25 in Quebec, and this is having a negative impact on our pharmacy front-end sales, which are down 11.7% for the first four weeks of the second quarter, while our prescription sales were up 5.7% for the same period. On the e-commerce front, online grocery sales grew by 170% in the first quarter. Our hub stores continue to perform well and have adapted to the increased volume. The accelerated deployment of our click and collect service has begun with 19 additional metro stores now offering the service. Our plan now calls for more than 170 metro stores to offer click and collect by the end of the fiscal year serving about 75% of the Quebec population and half of the population of Ontario. Construction of the Montreal dedicated e-com store is underway and we expect to begin operations early next summer. Phase one of our new automated Toronto Fresh DC is completed and operations are set to start next month. Construction of the new automated frozen DC is progressing well and should open in one year. In Quebec, construction of our new automated fresh and frozen DC in Terrebonne has started and we expect to open in 2023. Looking ahead, we will be cycling very high comp sales in the last couple of weeks of our second quarter when the pandemic was declared last year. We are focused on maintaining our strong momentum in food with continued investments in our network and innovative merchandising. For example, we recently launched a new program called My Health, My Choices to help consumers shop and find products based on customers' lifestyles, values, and health needs. Nearly 9,000 SKUs found in store will display up to three program attributes at shelf, uh, and more than 50 different attributes can be found online or via the Metro app. <clears throat> With the new labor agreement in place, the integration of our pharmacy distribution operations has resumed and the transfer of the Brunet pharmacies to the Jean Coutu DC will take place over the spring and summer, generating synergies of about 10 million next year. The rollout of the Jean Coutu lab and POS systems to the Brunet network is also back on track and will be completed this year. Finally, in December, we distributed over $8 million in Metro gift cards to our frontline store and warehouse employees as recognition for their hard work and dedication. Two weeks ago, following the new lockdown restrictions announced in Quebec and Ontario, 
we decided to offer a second similar recognition program to our frontline workers, which will be paid in February. So our priority remains the safety of our employees and our customers as we continue to serve our communities during this challenging confinement period. Thank you, and we'll now be happy to take your questions. At this time, as a reminder, if you want to ask a question, simply press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you wish to withdraw a question, press the pound key. Your first question will come from the line of Karen Short of Barclays. Please go ahead. Oh, hi, good afternoon. This is actually Renato Basansa on for Karen. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. Uh, so, so my first question is on uh, the e-commerce growth rate. Um, you know, it looks like it's remained, you know, somewhat steady at uh, 170% versus at 160 in, in 4Q. Uh, but just wondering if you can speak to the exit growth rate, uh, what that was as you as you ended the quarter, and then also if if e-commerce sales accelerated further from there, uh, given some of the additional restrictions we've seen so far in, in 2Q. Um, I would say the, the e-com uh, pace was pretty steady uh, throughout the fall. We saw a, 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 a bit of a surge, or, uh, uh, not a peak, but it, it surged up again when the curfew was uh, uh, announced in Quebec and when, when further restrictions were announced in January in Ontario, uh, we saw a bit of a, of a, a step up in e-com again. But throughout the Q1, I would say volume was uh, pretty steady. And okay, that's, that, okay, that's helpful. Um, and then just on the, the 12%, um, I guess, food comps in, in the first uh, four weeks of, of 2Q, can you actually tell us what the comps were uh, in the first four weeks of, of 2Q20? Um, I, I know you talked about comps ex-COVID, you know, at close to 5% in 2Q last year, uh, but, but just trying to get a better sense of, of the most recent two-year uh, trends as you start approaching those, those harder comparisons at the end of, uh, of the quarter? So uh, I, I won't give you the exact four weeks last year. I can tell you Q2 last year, we had good, strong comp sales for sure. Um, the 12%, uh, as I said in my opening remarks, there was a bit of a shift here between Q1 and Q2 because of the December 19 quarter end date. So 12% uh, is a strong number. Um, happy with that. Happy with the holiday sales. Uh, we continue to gain share. Uh, in both markets in Quebec uh, and Ontario. Okay, and then just just one more, um, just on SGNA. Um, if you if you adjust for COVID uh, costs in the quarter, and then and then also the misfresh charge last year, SGNA was actually down about one percent in the quarter. Uh, so can you just speak to what's what's driving the decline, uh, and then how we should expect SGNA to trend? going forward when you when you sort of normalize out uh, the change in, in COVID-related uh, expenses year over year. Thank you. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, when you take out the um, the loss on Ms. Fresh, uh, you're comparing about uh, $444 million to uh, $420. Uh, so uh, the COVID expenses that we, uh, that we, um, uh, that we indicated, $28 million, that's the total specific uh, expenses related to COVID, but it doesn't mean that we just absorb those costs and uh, we don't adjust elsewhere. So we do... We do make sure that we uh, we apply good cost containment across all divisions, all departments, uh, whether it's uh, publicity, uh, marketing, uh, uh, labor in, in different departments. And if you look at the split on O2, uh, we're actually helped a little bit on the um, 
on the rent and occupancy charge in terms of uh, mostly utilities and energy. So these are all things that we uh, these are all costs that we uh, that we contain. And the overall, you're right, we were pretty much flattish uh, year over year when you take out uh, the COVID expenses. Similar, by the way, similar to what we had last quarter. Exactly the same situation we were in last quarter, plus a minus a few million. Okay, and going forward, should we expect uh, similar rates? I think so. Uh, yeah, there'll be. Uh, I, I expect uh, you will see a similar uh, similar COVID expenses that we uh, next quarter uh, versus this quarter. It should be a, uh, pretty much along the same ballpark. Uh, there will be another gift card that we uh, we've announced that we will uh, that we will book, and so uh, and then the rest will be similar to what you see today. And it's uh, as I said, it's our job. You know, obviously we have high sales uh, on the food side, and we are able to absorb these costs more than absorb these these costs. Uh, given the cell environment. Okay, great. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Irene Natel of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks and good afternoon, guys. Um, would you just be able to spend a couple of minutes talking about what we're seeing in terms of consumer behavior as you went, you know, through Q1 and into early Q2 in terms of conventional versus discount, but also just in terms of the composition of basket, um, you know, did you see any pickup because people weren't able to eat out, kind of what you saw in it and what you're continuing to see? Uh, thanks, Irene. So we saw continued uh, similar behavior uh, over the last few months, clearly uh, with the uh, food out of home uh, Opportunities very restricted. Uh, it's benefiting, benefiting our, our channel has been since the beginning of the pandemic. It was strong uh, throughout the fall. We experienced uh, uh, good tonnage and good sales in uh, meat and seafood. So proteins were were up strongly for us, uh, contributing a bit to our higher inflation rate than what you saw reported in CPI. So uh, you know, I think the teams uh, did did a great job. I think our merchandising has been effective. Uh, both uh, in-store and, and online, our, our protocols, our in-store conditions are, are pretty pretty strong. Very pleased with the uh, work that's been done in, in our stores. I think consumers are feeling safe in our stores. Uh, so so uh, we're seeing a slight improvement in, in consumer traffic, although it's still, as I said, down year over year. Basket uh, more than offsets at conventional and discount. We're seeing a strong growth in both, to be honest. It's still a bit higher in conventional, but we're very pleased with our discount performance in both of our markets. So um, for competitive reasons, I'll just leave, leave, leave it at that. Uh, understood. Thank you. Um, and just finishing up on that, promotional intensity, any changes there? Uh, always uh, always pretty intense, very competitive. Uh, Promotional, uh, you know, uh, activity is strong. Promotional penetration uh, in the overall larger basket remains below uh, uh, a little bit uh, last year, but uh, certainly more in line with uh, usual uh, usual patterns that we saw before. So it's it's the promo the promo rates increasing. Uh, it's still uh, it's still slightly down versus a year ago, but very slightly. That's very helpful. Thank you. And just uh, one final question, if I might, uh, switching gears to, to what's going on in front of store um, in your pharmacy banners. Can you just provide us a little bit more color in terms of what you're seeing uh, traffic-wise, but also what you're seeing in the essential versus non-essential 
um, categories? Um, so, so it's the law right now in Quebec that you, yeah. you can't sell non-essential goods. So it's, it's a government uh, regulation and law. We, we we abide and we have to abide, and it is what it is. And it's enforced until February 8th, at which time we hope that it will be lifted or, or partially lifted or, or, or whatnot. So we just we just have to to live with that. It affects categories. Uh, General merchandise that we sell, and, and mostly cosmetics, which is which is a significant part of our front end sales in the Jean Couture and uh, Brunet, as you know. So we're we're not allowed to sell them. Um, so so that's that's an issue. On the traffic side, uh, that's also uh, uh, impeded by the very mild uh, cold and flu season versus a year ago. Uh, as you know, when you have a, a cold or a flu, you tend to the, go to the drugstore to pick up either a prescription and or uh, some OTC. And while you're at it, why not some gum and uh, whatever? So clearly, when, the, when there's less people uh, uh, coming through the door, uh, it has an impact on sales. So uh, we're mitigating that as much as we can with, uh, with good uh, promotional activity in the categories that we can sell. Uh, the categories that we, we cannot sell in store, we try to sell online and via click and collect as much as we can, but that's you know much smaller than in store, as you can imagine being a a community proximity convenience type uh, shopping experience. So, uh, you know, we're doing our best in a tough environment, um, uh, and we hope again that on, on, uh, in early February, uh, restrictions will, will be lifted. We'll just have to wait and see. Thanks, Eric. As both a consumer and an analyst, I hope you're right about February the 8th. Yep. Our next question will come from the line of Vishal Sridhar of National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, um, thanks for taking my uh, questions. Um, I'm just wondering if you're able to provide additional color on the impact associated with the warehouse labor disruption. How much of that five cents was due to lost sales and how much were due to other costs? So just give you a rain, a ballpark here, uh, about two thirds of the, of the miss was uh, lost sales and margins on those sales. And uh, one third was the extra cost. So. Um, I think those are, are the numbers yeah. we're willing to, to disclose. That's what no, that's good. That's about right. You can, that's a ballpark figure. Is it? That's about the uh, split, uh, Vishal. Okay, thank you. Uh, so just that. just to be Vishal, just to be clear on the on the lost sales and margin, it, uh, as uh, as part of the contingency plan to service our pharmacies and prioritize uh, prescriptions and, and, and medical products, we had to make some choices. Uh, with limited, it's only management staff that's locally in Varennes that could work in the warehouse. So we had very limited staff. We were able to operate, and the guys did a fantastic job to service our, our, our pharmacies. But we had to outsource some volume to another distributor. We had to do more direct-to-store deliveries. So therefore, the warehouse shipments uh, were lower, and uh, therefore, the margins were lower. So it's 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 right. triple, it's behind us, um, and uh, that's it. Okay, um, I appreciate that color. And just staying on the same topic of um, of uh, making choices and within pharmacy, with respect to uh, the COVID-19 vaccine that's uh, rolling out, um, has there been any discussion with the Quebec government on how Metro and PJC may be able to uh, help deploy that? And if so, would PG PJC require any facility retrofits or investment to facilitate the distribution like freezers or something like that? 
Yes, so yes, there have been some discussions with the Ministry of Health. Uh, clearly, with the limited supply of vaccines, the priority for them is to uh, uh, va vaccinate people in the health system and the long-term long care homes in the priority list. Uh, as far as we know, community pharmacies will be asked to uh, be, get involved and contribute to the vaccination effort for the general population uh, when the quantities uh, uh, and the supply uh, is better. So I guess sometime this spring, the sooner the better. We all want to get vaccinated. And our pharmacies at both Kutsu and Brunet have uh, good experience. This fall, we did the flu vaccine, uh, over 300,000 doses. It went well. Um, and uh, the pharmacists will be ready and willing and able when the government gives us the green light. So we'll just have to wait for, for, for their... Uh, for their direction, but uh, it's, there are discussions, and, and as I said, we will be ready uh, when they are. Okay, and um, should we assume at this point the economics would be similar for PJC as a as a, as a flu shot and, and standard medication, or is that a different story there? Well, the economics are not confirmed yet. Uh, there should be a fee for the pharmacist. Uh, it becomes a sale for the pharmacy and uh, on which we make a royalty. But again, those those uh, are uh, are not the priority of the financials. The financials is to get the vaccine out as, as fast as we can. But we'll, we'll just have to wait for the health department. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, makes sense. And um, just uh, switching gears here to some other topics. On the e-commerce offer, obviously much demand for it and Metro making um, investments and uh, and accommodating the customer. Can you comment on your the, the customer satisfaction scores in any way possible, and, and if you're satisfied with what the customer is telling you about your offer? So we track uh, consumer satisfaction, customer satisfaction uh, throughout our business, but we certainly do it for our e-com. Uh, yes, we're pleased, and we're making progress. Uh, we're not perfect. Uh, it's a challenge. Uh, you know, the delivery uh, availabilities, the uh, substitution rate. So there are lots of metrics we're monitoring. I can tell you the, that uh, we're getting better. Uh, volume is strong, um, and, and our consumer uh, satisfaction metrics are improving. Uh, but we have work to do, and the teams are very focused uh, focused on that. We uh, expect uh, the, the dedicated store that we will open in Montreal next summer will help will will help us with some of those metrics in addition to adding capacity. So it's, it's really a part of our omni-channel strategy. So, uh, you know, we have satisfaction in-store, we have satisfaction online, it's, it's the Metro brand, and I think overall uh, we're doing pretty well. Okay, and, and lastly, just with respect to all the customer changes, preference changes you're seeing happening so rapidly, and presumably some of them will be for a short period of time, how does Metro management know, or is there any tools Metro management's using to to figure out what customer behaviors are short-term and, and no need to change your formats to adapt to such transient short-term behavior, and what is more long-term and, and sticky? Is there some analytics that you can use from Dunhumby, or is it more of um, a little bit art and science? Well, uh, for sure, we have a lot of insights, and we have a lot, a lot of analytics in-house and with, uh, with our partner, Dunhumby. Um, so the teams, you know, I think have, are combining data with uh, experience, uh, and adapting uh, quickly to uh, consumer demand and consumer trends. So for obvious competitive reasons, we're not going to give you every, uh, every little recipe and secret here, but it's very dynamic. 
the pandemic clearly has, has changed some habits. We, we all know that. Uh, we're all working from home. We're all eating at home a lot more. Uh, so, you know, we, we need to be there. We need to make it easier. We need to have the right variety. We need to be on, on, on trend for health uh, programs. That's why we just launched this My Health, My Choices. It's, uh, it's what consumers are asking for, local products. So it's a lot of moving parts, uh, but our team, teams with Aness are doing a great job to, to respond to that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Your next question will come from the line of Michael Van Els of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Um, wanted to follow up on a few of the things you mentioned. Uh, first, if we if we look at the um, at the impact of the Varin strike, you, you told us it was two thirds from lost sales or margin. Are you willing to give us a dollar amount that you think you missed in, in sales, and whether and on top of that, you know, when you when you look out to the current quarter. Are these sales that you'll get back as, as the cust as the, your franchisees have to restock and build up inventories again, or were they fully replaced by uh, the other distributors you use? So on the on the sale, I'll start uh, I'll start with the the sales. I'm obviously uh, you know we don't break down pharma and food, but if you just do a a rule of three, uh, given that food is about 75% of our business, uh, and you assume it grows at the same. Uh, 10% in the same store, um, it implies that pharma was down by a, a mid-single digit um, year over year, and that's the reality of uh, the reality of what happened during the, the conflict. So uh, these lost warehouse sales to franchisees, uh, the impact on margins, as, uh, as we said, is about two-thirds of that amount uh, impacted margins. So we would have had a, uh, a you know a higher margin, a gross margin percentage of sales than what we posted, and the rest of that impact is in OPEX. Uh, mostly higher uh, transportation costs, given that we uh, we shipped uh, from uh, from uh, a DC that was uh, that was farther away. So that's that's the impact of that uh, lost sale, uh, higher OPEX on our, on our results. Um, as far as the recoup uh, of those lost sales uh, over time, gradually, I think uh, it'll all even out. But short term. Uh, pharmacies have restocked elsewhere uh, for some of these products, and there, there's a lag. Hmm? Okay, so but if they've restocked from else other sources, then they don't necessarily have to make up for the lost mid-single-digit sales that you had in the quarter. Is that no, correct? Maybe, yeah, maybe not all of that, right. Okay. All right, thank you. And then um, on the, the Christmas shift for food, uh, is 1% a, a good estimate as to what that might have been? Yeah, yeah it, it's hard to put. We didn't give you a precise number because of, uh, you know, it's COVID. And there's, uh, it's hard to to give you a, a precise uh, number like we, we we used to do before when the shift was a, an important part of our story at, at this time of year. So there's there was clearly a bit of a shift uh, between 0.5 and 1%, you know, in that range. Okay, um, and then inflation really slowed down. At least the CPI did in December and uh, was hardly up year over year. But I think early in in January, we started to see produce prices going up and poultry prices going up. Uh, are you expecting to see a reacceleration of inflation in the first half of calendar 21? Hard to say, uh, Michael, hard to say. Um, I think uh, you know our, our mix is showing a bit of a higher rate than CPI, mostly driven by protein, like I said. Uh, produce inflation is uh, 
it's hard to predict. It, it can be fickle. It's uh, it's weather. It's currency. It's a lot of stuff. Um, it's you know it's it's. Uh, I, I would say you know our, our two percent uh, two two to three percent inflation number. That's what we're kind of seeing, but no crystal ball. My favorite favorite expression. All right, and then when you look at that drop in the first four weeks of the front store for pharmacy down 11.7%. Are you able to quantify uh, or at least kind of give us a rough estimate of how much of that you think is non-essentials? Uh, I don't have a, a breakdown uh, for you. Uh, clearly, there's uh, uh, actually the, the non-essentials is, is restricted since December 25. So it, it's part of that story. The, the cold and flu is part of that story, so hard to give you a, a precise number. It's a, it is a substantial part of it, the, the non-essentials. Um, uh, but, but, you know, sorry, I don't, I don't have a more precise number for you. All right. And are you seeing any progress in, um, in, in moderating that uh, erosion with your online sales push? Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty modest. No, it's uh, uh, you know we're in week six right now. Uh, we gave you the first four, so it's it's pretty uh, similar. It's I guess it it seems to be tougher on front store pharmacy to gain traction than it is on grocery. Is that fair? Well, uh, because of the restrictions, you mean, or the the the, the restrictions general. on the, the sale of non-essential goods. Yeah, so there's that legal restriction, and there's the traffic uh, decline uh, due to the mild uh, cold and flu season. There, you know, and I guess on the grocery channel, we're getting a bit of those haba sales in our stores as people uh, do when someone stops shop. So uh, several moving parts, but the big the big uh, reason is the legal restriction on non-essentials and the lower traffic because of the of the flu season. Okay, and then just finally, uh, so you talked about really rolling out the click and collect throughout this year to a lot more stores. Um, you've had good cost controls on your SGNA during this last little bit. How do you see that changing though, as you start to add labor and to uh, to satisfy the the click and collect demand? Uh, we don't think that the click and collect uh, demand that will that will be. Uh service out of those uh, click and collect stores uh, will have an impact on that SGNA. It will be absorbed by those stores with their current labor. We're not talking huge volumes here by store. It's a service, it's an added service for consumers who, who want that uh, uh, you know, online experience and, and click to, uh, at the time they want in, in their local store. So yeah, there, there will be demand for that, but it, it, it shouldn't affect the, the labor line. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, the depreciation, the capex investment is also uh, quite measured for these, uh, for these, uh, these that rollout. Great, thank you, guys. Thank you. No. Your next question will come from the line of Mark Petrie of CIBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, good afternoon. Um, you touched on a lot of things I wanted to ask about, but I guess just the one to follow up. I'm just curious if you're seeing any changes, um, you know, as as e-commerce kind of steadies out here. Uh, to some extent, if you're seeing any changes in, in terms of consumer behavior uh, with regards to, you know, basket size or, you know, promotional weight within the uh, online basket or product mix? 
No, I think I answered that uh, in a previous question. Um, we're not, you know, the, the, the pandemic uh, uh, and the online surge or acceleration is is, is the big change in behavior. Uh, the basket of the online customer is pretty similar uh, than than it's been since the, the beginning of the pandemic. So uh, the promotional rates, I've, I've already uh, answered that. So it's 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 promotional, it's intense, but the, because of the large basket, the total promo rate may be a slightly slightly down uh, versus last year, but nothing material. We're getting really close to to normal promo levels. Okay, and then with regards to the to the um, cost specific to the pandemic, um, you know, obviously the, the sort of gift card incentive is, uh, you know, you play it by ear depending on um, on the conditions, but, but the balance of that, do you think that that sticks with you um, through basically through the rest of this year or, or how are you thinking about those costs in your business? Well, uh, yeah, I think it would be uh, fair to say that we expect most of these costs uh, for uh, greeters at the door, cleaning, uh, extra sanitation and cleaning, masks. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that we should expect those to uh, to be with us for uh, for the rest of this fiscal year. You know, if you want to be conservative, yeah. Okay, and then just my last question. Uh, I wanted to ask about the relative price spread between conventional and discount. Um, I'm just curious, you know, how that has evolved as consumer preferences have shifted over the last year and how you think it could evolve as taste potentially, you know, uh, you know, revert maybe back to uh, the more historical balance, um, you know, as the vaccine rollout continues, pandemic impacts subside and consumer behavior reverts to some extent. I don't think there's been any uh, change in the relative price uh, positions of discount versus conventional. It's, uh, Pretty consistent. Uh, there's nothing uh, really to uh, to report there. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Your next question will come from the line of Peter Sklar of BMO. Please go ahead. No, good afternoon, um, Eric. You've talked uh, a couple times on the call that, in terms of, you know promotional penetration and promotional intensity it's it's pretty high really hasn't eased off at all and i just wanted to ask you from a very high level given you know this huge covid tailwind that the canadian grocery industries experience you know with these strong comps like you had a 10 percent comp and everybody's comping so well uh, with the channel shift of the consumer into grocery are you surprised a little bit that competitive intensity hasn't eased a little bit because everybody's getting their sales. So just wondering how you see that. Well, I'm not surprised. Uh, we, we have strong competitors and everybody uh, wants to keep and grow shares. So it's competitive out there. Uh, consumers have a lot of choice. So we're focused on our, on our own program, our own banners, uh, safety first for our employees and, and our customers uh, with the good in innovative merchandising and good store conditions, uh, you know, uh, draws the customers and keeps the customer. We add our, our online experience to, to have more of an omni-channel strategy and gain even more loyalty. So it's, it's part and parcel of, uh, of our strategy, which has served us well so far in the pandemic. Uh, you're right to say that everybody's sales are up. Uh, no bragging, but you know, we, on a relative basis, uh, we've gained share uh, over the course of the pandemic in Quebec and Ontario. Uh, 
not huge amount, but we've gained shares, so we're pleased with that. Uh, the promo intensity, you know, we, we are competitive, we check prices and, and are very uh, diligent on our uh, on being competitive uh, at shelf and, 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 and with our promo. So, uh, so, so far, uh, we're pleased with, uh, with our results. Okay. Um, and then just on a, another topic, I believe you said that the Ontario uh, new fresh DC, it's, it's opening soon. I, I can't remember you said next week or next month. It's very soon. Um, so operations have begun to, to receive a bit, and, and uh, they're, in the, they're in the building now. It's, the construction's over. It will start uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, to ship uh, to, to our stores gradually, so we'll do some waves. It's going to be uh, about a three-month uh, rollout here to, to transfer all the stores to this new DC. It's uh, partially automated, so new ways, uh, change management, uh, all, all of that stuff. But we're, a lot of uh, good work has been done. We're, we're ready, and uh, we're looking for, uh, for good results from the new uh, fresh Phase 1 uh, box, which is uh, in Toronto on, on Dundas um, and the 427. Right. So... So I, I assume that your cost structure will be much better in the DC. But from the perspective of the consumer, um, do you think the consumer will be able to perceive some change in the in the quality of the of the produce that they're seeing in in the store? Like, um, is this a is this a little yeah, bit well, like the fresh program? I, th I think it will help. Uh, uh, the the current uh, produce facility is old and dated. Uh, we have a lot of turnover in there. I think our product is fresh and, and, and it's all good generally. But in, in a new state-of-the-art facility, we will have better conditions, better operating conditions, and I think product quality will, on, will only improve. We saw that in Montreal when we built the new produce warehouse. Um, we, we, had, we had better, uh, better execution and, and better quality, which reflected at, at store level and uh, was, was felt by the customer. I think our quality is, is fine in Ontario. I expect it to be uh, just a, a tad better uh, with the new facility. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Chris Lee of Desjardins. Please go ahead. Oh, hi, good afternoon. Uh, Eric, um, you mentioned earlier you expanded Click and Collect to 19 stores during the quarter. Are you able to see if most of the sales are coming from new customers? Uh, rather than uh, transfer from existing in-store sales to online. So for competitive reasons, we're not going to give you uh, those numbers. Uh, it's, it's starting, so those 19 stores are, are, are recent. The volume is ramping up. Uh, some of it comes from existing customers. Some of it is uh, an extra trip from an existing customer, so new sales. And uh, some of it comes from new customers. So we're tracking that uh, carefully. Uh, and monitoring uh, the situation, but uh, for, for competitive reasons, we'll just uh, leave it at that for now. Okay, that's fair. And the, the industry the industry will be lapping a fairly weak Canadian dollar in a couple of months. Um, how do you expect a strong Canadian dollar to impact your business? Uh, do you expect it to result in more deflationary pressures uh, when that happens? Hard, I said earlier, um, there are a lot of uh, factors at play uh, to, to determine costs and, and, and pricing. Uh, typically, when the Canadian dollar strengthens, we, we, uh, we are able to uh, absorb uh, 
cost increases and it can result in, in lower prices at retail. But again, uh, I won't adventure or venture to say and make a, a big prediction here. Um, and we'll see how the currency uh, behaves uh, over uh, the next several months. It's going to be one factor. It could help reduce prices, but there are other factors at play. Okay, that's helpful. And maybe just on, on the gross margin, I'm wondering if you can maybe review for us what are some of the key gross margin drivers this year. I mean, on the one hand, obviously, the industry will start to lap the benefits of bigger baskets and, and maybe less promotional intensity. But on the other hand, you'll start to get some of the efficiency benefits from the fresh DC and the pharmacy DC consolidation. But do you expect gross margin this year to be sort of roughly stable? Or, or what other things are you looking at this year? Well, this year, gross margin, uh, I think, uh, has been healthy. Uh, volumes have been good. So with high volumes, it's, it's good for gross margins. The promo rates, uh, as the pandemic started and evolved, were, were lower. So uh, that, that, that I said is uh, that we've caught up there, but it, it, it did have a, an, an impact on gross margins. With very high volumes at store level, there's lower shrink. So that, that also helps for uh, growth. And the conventional to discount mix uh, skewed a bit more to conventional this year, which also helps. The, so there's lots of moving parts on the gross margin. Uh, you know, looking looking ahead, uh, we think we have good programs. Uh, uh, our, our fresh ratios are strong and healthy, which which bodes well for for gross margin. Some you know HMR is still hurting. Cut fruit is still hurting in our produce department. Those are higher margin items, but it's offset by by a lot of other factors, and we've been able to mix it back, and uh, we're satisfied with our margin. Uh, how it will evolve, uh, again, I'm not going to give you a guidance on gross margin rate, but we feel we're in a good position to uh, to keep them healthy. Okay, that, that's helpful. And maybe just one follow-up, just on the DC modernization in Ontario. I remember when the announcement was first made, I guess this is back in four years ago, in 2017, I think the press release referenced that you know roughly about 180 full-time and 100 part-time position will be reduced starting in 2021. I'm just wondering if that is still that's still the case, and and how much savings do you expect to uh, achieve for, from this uh, the new DC? Um, so I can get, get, you, get back to you with uh, more whatever we announced four years ago. I don't have it in front of me. Yes, there will be uh, some some efficiencies uh, by going partially automated. Um, uh, there's a ramp-up period here where we're going to be uh, operating basically in two centers, so it's going to take a bit of time. Um, I think I'll let Francois get back to you, uh, Chris, on that, okay? Okay, no, that's fine. And maybe one quick one for Francois. Your, your leverage is around two and a half times that EBITDA. I think that's within your comfort zone. Um, do you expect to maintain a similar pace or share buyback um, you know, this year as you have done in the last quarter? Uh, yes, I think uh, on the leverage uh, on the leverage uh, side, uh, we're still comfortable with a 2.5. Uh, just a debt to a bidar. That's a uh, again, Chris. That's a pre-IFRS level, so it's about close to three times on a post-IFRS. Just so we're apples to apples because uh, there's there's more uh, accounting debt that we have to factor in. Uh, but no change economically, no change in our leverage uh, target. So uh, we're still uh, quite comfortable. And yes. Uh, you know, uh, everything else being equal, the pace of buybacks that you saw in Q1, that's a, that's a, that's a good pace. Uh, we know we have authority uh, to do a, a level similar to last year, so uh, we're gonna everything else being equal, we will continue at that pace. Uh, you know, uh, with the excess excess free cash that we generate. 
Okay, thanks very much for your answers. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. We have no further questions at this time. I'll now turn the call back over to the presenters for closing remarks. Thank you all for your interest in Metro, and we will speak again soon to discuss our second quarter results on April 21st. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for joining. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.